Hi there, Star Wars fans, and welcome to the latest episode of the Jedi Council podcast. I'm your host for today, Alistair, and I'm joined by my good friend and brother in the Force, Dave. Say hello, Dave. Hello, Dave. Hello, Dave. But it's not just you. Oh, no. We're joined by Mr. Lego himself, Andy. Say hello, Andy. Hello, Andy. Hey. So, gentlemen, I want to start by just talking about what you've been up to with regards to Star Wars recently. I'm going to start with you, Dave. So you've been doing a number of videos recently in terms of Lego builds. And I just wonder if you could talk a little bit about why you've decided to do it and, and the reaction you've had. Okay, um, we we've talked a while about doing video because we've we've now been doing the Jedi Council for almost a year and a half. Um, we're, we're still new, I might, on the on the basis compared to, to some of the other groups out I think there. It's two and a half years, Dave. Sorry, two, sorry, I meant sorry, I meant two and a half. Yes, two and a half years. Um, yeah, because we we launched pretty much on the night that the Last Jedi uh, came out. So yeah. yes, sorry. So two and a half years. Thank you for that. Um, and we we've discussed video for a while, and then earlier this year we dipped our toe in the water with a couple. You 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 and Alex did a couple of your visits to the likes of Galaxy's Edge. Um, I done a couple around different aspects of my collection, and then well, we know how interesting and how interested uh, the people that we engage with on Twitter are around Lego and Star Wars Lego so and, and I've had a bit of a project recently of trying to dig out all of the Lego from that I've had for years and years and has been mixed in with the boys I've still got all the instruction books but we're, we're talking Lego sets that came out with the the original releases of um of Star Wars Lego, it's 21 years ago now, and I've still I've got sets that, that date back that long, and probably up to about 13 ish years ago, when I started having well not me, my wife started having children, um, so I, I sort of moved out of buying Lego for a while. I think just because of the pressures of children and, and new babies and, and what have you. And I donated a few to my kids thinking they'll treasure them, they'll look after them the way I did. And they ended up in pieces and they got buried at the bottom of Lego boxes. And we, we've got more than one Kerber box of um, Lego pieces now. And so it, it, it was almost like a coming together of a couple of things. The, the idea that we know that our um, friends on Twitter and Facebook and, and what have you enjoy Lego and have an interest in lego because the, the we've done the guess the lego set tweets for the last couple of years and, and it's always gone down well and people have engaged and it's been a bit of fun so we thought we'd try and do it one step further and pull together almost like mini videos of building some of these vintage sets so the first one we did wasn't actually vintage instead it was the the free set that came with the a-wing um so we did that as our very first one, and it, it went down well as we we thought it might do. Didn't expect it to do quite so well as it did, but yeah, but it, people really enjoyed it. There was feedback that you should do more and and what have you. So the next one was my vintage shuttle from two thousand and three, I think, something like that. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, so 
we've we've now got a couple up there that people seem to engage with there's there's nice comments about them there's been some nice feedback so i think the plan is to try and do some more i'm still digging through the lego that i've got um there's another set which i've almost almost happy with um piecewise so i think there'll be a new one soon sorry are you prepared to give us a sneak peek at what it might be? Uh, um, no, because what, what, what I'm going to say, what we'll do, we'll try and do a guess the set, see if people could recognise it. Okay. Um, it seems to work better for the smaller sets. So <laughs> the shuttle was a little set. The the freebie that came with the A wing was a smaller set. We, I've recently built the. 2006 b-wing but it's too big a set really for us to do a quick build video because really you want to try and film it all in one go and and i know the editing that you do ali to to try and get it to to fit just a couple of minutes is is in its own right uh herculean task to to get that done so i appreciate the 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 help and support of other people on the team because i couldn't do it um but it's yeah, it, it works with the, the smaller sets. So yeah. stay tuned, stay tuned. That's all I can say. And so, Andy, as Mr. Lego, have, have you had a chance to look at these videos? And, and do you have any old sets hanging around? Well, they're very impressive, aren't they? I, I absolutely I love the editing. Um, <clears throat> I really do. I think it's a great way to show a build without the, the monotony of the build, if that makes sense. I mean, yep. we all love enjoying Lego, but I'm not sure I could sit and watch someone build for four hours, but having that sort of sped up is uh, is, is really good. Um, well, each, I each build were about 20, 28, 29 minutes. Yeah. And, and Ali's I, got them down to three and a half or thereabouts. It is, it's a great way of presenting it, it really is. Um, I in, Your other question about do I have old Lego? I do have old Lego, but... In, interestingly i don't have any old star wars lego so oh. I, I, yeah i could do a build but it would be it's all like the old police sets and the old lego city um i've got a space shuttle and stuff like that as well but none of it is actually star wars so while i could do videos it wouldn't necessarily fit with the the jedi council <laughs> <laughs> well i don't, I don't think i don't think we need to do lego city yet <laughs> no 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 and so you you've recently caught up with the mandalorian you've been a lot better than the rest of us who all watched it completely illegally back in november and december uh, you waited to watch it so um how did you find it okay so <laughs> i've spent the last two years or so saying that star wars is the movies for me um i don't watch the tv series i don't watch the animated series i don't necessarily read the books i don't do anything else the comics etc so it's literally just the movies i'm now going to just rip that up completely um because the mandalorian for me was i'm trying to think of a word that i can use because we don't use expletives on this podcast so it was it was bleeping 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 brilliant <laughs> um, <laughs> i can use my imagination to fill them in. yeah 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 so can everyone else um it, it was unbelievable i watched them all eight on the bounce on on one saturday afternoon my, my other half becky was up with her parents in leeds this was all before way before lockdown um yeah she was she was staying up with, with, with her parents and i was on my own in the house so i just i dedicated a whole saturday pretty much um and just watched all eight on the bounce and it was unbelievable i was speechless it just changes everything for me um in terms of star wars I think the way it was filmed, the music, 
everything was it was the way I, I've jotted a sentence down here and it's 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 absolutely bang on Star Wars but yet it feels totally different at the same time I can't quite put my finger on why I just I just thought it was ace I thought the humor in it the, the humor was just unbelievable every it's just little subtle things um again I've, I've noted a couple of things down which really really made me laugh so um, when he's too tall for the cockpit of the sand crawler and the jowers laugh when they go over a bump and he hits his head just little things like that it's just it was classic star wars humor um i cannot wait for series two i, I mean we, we, we've debated previously about you know the bringing back of old characters and stuff like that which may taint it slightly for me but I, I, yeah, it's just unbelievable. I keep telling my other half, Becky, that she needs to watch it again with me, and I'm quite happy to watch all eight on the bounce again because I just thought it was it was fab. Interesting, interesting. Dave, just to come in there, I know you've had lots to say about the Mandalorian in the past, but um, have you watched any of it back recently at all? And, and is your view still the same? Yes, and yes. <laughs> we we no no no, we've got it on Disney Plus, seen it on a big screen rather than on my phone. <laughs> that makes a massive difference. Um, <laughs> with decent speakers. Um, but yeah, I, I, I enjoyed it. I still enjoy it. It's, it is a clever new take on Star Wars. It, it promotes the brand forward. It's, it's not something that people... It's not something that seems to be splitting opinion on the whole, which is a good thing in Star Wars land. <laughs> yeah. And so, Andy, is, is there any final thoughts you have on, on The Mandalorian? I mean, I, I really enjoyed it at the time um, because I, to your point about it's a different type of Star Wars, a lot of people have said it was the, the real Western Star Wars. Um, and obviously we've got other live action television shows due to come out on Disney Plus in, in future years, which may be tonally different. So that will be interesting to see how they do that. But did you get that sort of Western feeling from it? Is, is that what appealed to you? Well, it's funny you should say that because, I, I again, I, 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 we're, we were fully intended to do a podcast on the night that I watched it. So I jotted down a few things and I've saved the piece of paper that I've got. So I've got it in front of me. And one of the, one of the words I've used a couple of times in that is Western. And then that was yeah. not just the music. The music is it, it evokes a very sort of Western vibe for me, definitely. The the, the the it's like watching Clint Eastwood in the Man with No Name trilogy, um, John Wayne in the Man Who Shot Liberty Valance. It's it's classic Western for me. Um, it, yeah, it's it's I just can't. I, yeah, it's so good. What the wide open scenes, the big sort of desert sandscapes um everything lots of it as well was filmed in quite sort of sunset light which i think is is evocative of very western uh, a, a very western film um it's yeah i'll keep saying about the music i mean ludwig Goransson, his name is who did he did the black panther soundtrack as well he's an absolute genius what he did with this everything in that taking the story forward the music every time i kept going oh that's amazing i've got the the mandalorian um theme now as my ringtone on my phone <laughs> i was that that was i was that obsessed with it it's still my ringtone now i just love it i absolutely love it um i want mandalorian merch i want the razor crest set i want i want t-shirts i want everything i just want to be the mandalorian i think it's unbelievable <laughs> i was to and i'm going to say his name wrong i know richard aoade as as yeah. zero the draw he was yeah, absolutely fantastic 
absolutely fantastic and he, he he did that brilliantly played that part so well well it's interesting you say about music because um a lot of people have said it sounds a lot like rocky balboa which i really think it does and i know it was one of the things that dave didn't like to begin with but by the end you're a convert weren't you I, I wouldn't say i didn't like the music i think for me it was the one thing that pushed the show out of a star wars field to start off with because it was so unfamiliar from other star wars tunes and other star because every other star wars product be that games be that the clone wars be that even the original clone war cartoons that was um or the cartoon network ones they all used music inspired by um john williams Mm -hmm. if if not actually using bits of john williams music um so i wouldn't wouldn't say i disliked it but that was the one thing that initially was a bit of a jar for me but then i guess as the show went on that then became the theme of the show so the music almost for me faded into the background and, and just became part of the show rather than being something that that pulled me out of the show right so andy let's let's have i did promise you the last word on the mandalorian so you got one last thing on your notes to say um let me let me find a closing thing i'll tell you what i did put i put i must unlearn everything i have learned which was obviously a classic star wars quote but it also it applies to me because a bit like a bit like when I, we've talked about this before, when I was very dismissive of Guardians of the Galaxy and I'd never seen any of the Marvel films and, and Dave convinced me to go and watch at the cinema. Um, I do fall into the habit of, of thinking I know what I like and I know what I don't like. <laughs> and and I do, I do. And, and sometimes I judge things before watching them. I always do that. I always will. And so this definitely is a case of me unlearning everything that I learned about Star Wars because for me, Star Wars now is much more than the movies. And in, in actually in the sequel trilogy, I'd say The Mandalorian is better than all three. I really would. I think it's the best thing that Disney have done. So there you go. That's my final word. I don't think you'll find disagreement with many people on this podcast. Um, but we'll talk a little bit more about um, Disney and the future later. So I want to get straight into the news. And in particular, I think there's one story that's really dominated Star Wars news this week, which is about that the High Republic, the ambitious cross-media collection of books and comics, that has been delayed until 2021. Um, the announcement came on Tuesday on the official Star Wars website. And just to remind you that the High Republic is a new setting in the Star Wars universe that takes place 200 years before the events of Star Wars The Phantom Menace. Um, and instead, we're now looking at January 2021 for the release of date of Charles's new novel, new novel, Star Wars, The High Republic, Light of the Jedi, and Justina Ireland's um, novel, Star Wars, The High Republic, A Test of Courage. Um, Claudia Gray will then follow that. So the quote from Lucasfilm is that given these unprecedented times, we've made the decision to move the launch of Star Wars, The High Republic to January 2021 to ensure that the launch is as grand and as epic as it deserves to be. I'm um, going to go straight to you on this, Dave. Are you disappointed to hear this? I can see why they're doing it, but I, I, and I don't disagree with why they're doing it. But yeah, yeah, it's a disappointment. It means that we've got to wait that little bit longer. Um, it's not that much longer. So it was October, I think, was the original launch date. So we're looking at a three, three, four month delay. But it's a delay. 
Yeah. And so, Andy, you were just talking about how you are more interested in the expanded Star Wars universe. Um, were you looking forward to reading these books? Do you know what? Yeah, I, I actually, I was. I was. Uh, it's now, since I was exposed to The Mandalorian, um, it's, it is now, my whole ethos with Star Wars now is I'm very much more open to things. Again, I was very dismissive before. I thought, oh no, I don't want to read that book. I don't want to do this. I don't want to. I'll literally, if it's a film, I'll watch it. If it isn't a film, I'm not interested. And so, yeah, I mean, I understand with the current climate why they would feel the need to maybe delay things. I think everything might slip back slightly across across all business. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's disappointing. Like Dave said, I mean, it's, you know, if you've got to wait longer for Star Wars, it's it's a sad thing, isn't it? You, you want, we all want it straight away, don't we? But why, why do you think they've delayed it? Because my initial reaction is, is that right now, everyone practically around the world is sitting at home with not much to do. And it's not like a book has to be a hard copy anymore. A lot of people digest uh, books through digital means and so i i'm not quite sure that i understand fully the rationale for it pushing back what do you think about that andy it, uh, it's an interesting point actually isn't it because my my thoughts are of a physical book of a physical copy of something but you, you, now you're saying that about the electronic stuff i mean there's so many ebook readers and you know kindles and whatnot out there now surely they could have actually kept to the date and just released it digitally but maybe that's not something they want to do maybe they do want the whole the physical book to still be center stage um i do know a few people uh, family and extended family who who have shied away from um e-readers um kindles one was bought a kindle for christmas and it was on ebay by new year um a few years ago just because they they like a physical book they like the smell of the paper you know they like the sort of the way it gets all gnarled on the corners it's a, it's a physical tactful thing um, and it adds to their reading experience. So, mm. I, I'm yeah, I'm 50-50. I mean, I, I, I get if that if they want to concentrate on the physical paper copy, then obviously, you know, current business conditions, COVID-19, whatever, it, it's going to be delayed, I, I would assume, for that. But then, on the, on the other hand, it would make sense for them to, to release it electronically. I'm not, I'm not too sure myself, to be fair. So, I mean, if you look at someone like J.K. Rowling, who obviously was the author of the Harry Potter books, she's announced this week that her new book will be coming out online first and that it won't be available in hard copy until November. So, Dave, do you think there's a specific reason for this, perhaps that there's going to be an absolutely massive launch for the High Republic and without people that just wouldn't work? I think there's potentially a few different like uh, things playing with this i i agree with andy the fact that you do have a lot of people that prefer books um personally i've got i've got e-read i've got a kindle on my tablet installed on my tablet um and i'm happy to read books digitally but i'm a collector <laughs> and there's no point collecting a digital edition of a book no offense but um I think I've got one digital version of a Star Wars book. Um, I'm I'm more than happy to read other um, other um, genres, other other galaxies of content online. But for for me, it, it's part of the collector. So physical books, and for for Lucasfilm to make a real success of 
the launch of a brand new era of Star Wars, a brand new area, a brand new set of characters, they're better off doing that physically rather than just digitally. Um, it, it's all very well to release a few teaser pieces of artwork digitally, but people are going to want to pick up the the books because you you've then that, that feeds into conventions and what have you. Because people take books to conventions and go for signings, people take comics to conventions to get them signed um, by either the artist or the the writer. So I can understand their reticence, let's say to. Because it's possible that the supply chains are not there at the moment. It, it's. I'm certain the books will be written in time because the the authors themselves have been lined up. They've been planning this. Even though you've got uh, COVID nineteen, it doesn't mean that people can't. Because I still I've been working all the way through this, um, but working remotely. And so we do collaborative meetings. We use a, a system called Teams. It allows you to share your computer. It allows you to, to, to video conference. It allows you to have quite a large gathering of people all on a call at the same time. So I'm assuming there's no impact into the creativity, let's say, um, of, of the writers involved and the creatives involved. I know that it's not quite the same if you're not in the same room sometimes, but but you're about as close as you can be when you use some of these pieces of software now. So I don't think there's any impact in the creativity, and I don't think there's been any impact in the in the production of the original ideas of the content. But it is possible that the supply chain's not there at the moment. If if book companies, publishers, because even though you, you're probably dealing with a publisher globally which is normally Del Rey, let's say, um, they will probably have multiple suppliers who actually do the production of the books for them. And if their supply chain has been disrupted in any way, and that could be logistics, it could be raw materials, it's, it's not necessarily even the publisher themselves. Um, yeah, I, I can see why they want to make sure that they've got the right stockpile of content in the right markets at the right time so that when they do launch it's big bang it's it's rather than trickle out content and realize that they've run out of copies in a certain market that's booming they've got the copies in the marketplace before the launch if that, if that makes sense makes complete sense to me Andy, have you got anything to add on to that before we move on not particularly. I mean, I think I think we've covered it pretty well. It is. It's one of those things, isn't it? It's circumstances are very odd at the moment. Um, I think things are being affected in some cases quite severely, and then in other cases it seems to be business as usual. So yeah. it could be that they're erring on the side of caution potentially and thinking, you know, what we don't want to promise all this stuff and then things globally go wrong for whatever reason, and then they have to delay. It for you know they have to delay it closer to the release date maybe they're just thinking do you know what let wait for all this to blow over and then when everyone's got more time to think about things and it's less likely to be affected we'll just plan it ahead it's a bit like a holiday you wouldn't necessarily book a holiday now you'd just think do you know what i'll just do it next year for, for ease of you know i mean you, you potentially could go on holiday i've got a holiday booked in september i don't know if i'm going or not um but at the moment i'd, I'd leave that be if I hadn't booked it, I wouldn't necessarily book that now. I'd just push it back to next year just to avoid any disruption closer to the deadline. So, yeah, I, I, I get what they've done it, I guess. So I can think we should summarise by saying we're all disappointed that we're not going to 
be able to read it this year, but we completely understand the reasons. Um, so let's yeah. move on to Sam Witwer, uh, who voiced Starkiller in Star Wars The Force Unleashed. He played the son in Star Wars The Clone Wars as part of the Mortis arc and also Emperor Palpatine in Star Wars Rebels. But I think he's perhaps best known for playing the role of Darth Maul in The Clone Wars, in Rebels, and it's his voice we hear in Solo, A Star Wars Story. So he's been in the news recently and we touched on it when he discussed Ryan Johnson with regard to um, The Last Jedi and how he felt that... um, I think it's fair to say he was very critical about it. But he's he's had some interesting thoughts again this week. He said that there's a real distinction between George Lucas's Star Wars and everything else. Everything else, be it Legends or Disney Star Wars, is an alternate universe. But that doesn't mean you can't enjoy it. It's still there. So I'm going to go to you first, Dave, on this one. Do you agree or disagree with him? bit of a mixture to be fair i i can see his perspective totally see his perspective because it's the same as yeah, just move out of this franchise and jump into one that's close to your heart ali star trek yeah do you would you say that star trek is gene roddenberry's yes or would you say it's who produced it these days is it is it uh, it's, Fox it's Alex Kurtzman who who was JJ Abraham's lead writer on most things but it's done by CBS now mainly CBS but you've you've got the TV shows as well you've yeah. got um, Discovery you've got Picard yeah. are they all Gene Roddenberry's would you say no. or would you say that the tone no. isn't is no longer the same no I, I completely agree with that I think I think one of the big problems with Star Trek more recently has been that Gene Roddenberry's version of Star Trek was always one of hope and that the human race will grow beyond war and will become a common brotherhood sisterhood that goes out and tries to better itself and you know things like the the prime objective is to not involve yourself in other worlds but just to be respectful and, and watch it from a distance and that certainly hasn't happened in recent star wars i think it started with jj abraham's taking it down to be fair to star trek. It. sorry star trek yeah but but <laughs> it is jj abraham's um, yes who who took it down an interesting angle with the with the kelvin timeline who alienated a lot of star trek fans with that i quite liked it but i think by the time the third movie had come out i enjoyed the acting but i felt we were a long way away from the star wars that i loved but in saying that and i know andy will disagree with this i personally think picard was a lot better than the mandalorian um i felt that it was the it it was very different but it paid respect to characters in a way that certainly star wars has failed to do um for a long time now and and i i really enjoyed that so i agree with you that it's a long way from the place we started but occasionally we get glimpses of the thing that i loved when i was a child i guess that applies to star wars as well in many ways i i I would just say yeah i would agree because it's the same with star wars because you you watch the clone wars and maybe because they were still quite closely tied to George Lucas himself, and because they they sat between two different movies, 
it wasn't in a in a, a for it hadn't taken the story into a new era or anything like that. I think the Clone Wars still had the the same feel as as if anything, it's got better and better as the the shows have progressed. Yeah. Um, but it's still been grounded. It's still had the right feel to it. Yeah. Uh, but. I think- I think I think the Clone Wars has been made better by the post George Lucas Star Wars because the content of that era to me is so much better than anything we've had since 2015. I'd, I'd agree. I think Rebels is a decent successor to it. Yeah, I agree. But you, but you can feel that there's less. George in it, yeah. <laughs> for a better word, I don't know if you can use that term. There's less George in it, um, yeah. and obviously with the the sequel trilogy, there's a lot less George in it. Yeah, um, I think it's, I think, and I'm interested to get your views on this, Andy. I think they took on a more Herculean task than I realised initially, Lucasfilm and Disney, because I think it's nearly impossible to finish the story that one man had completely in his head. He came up with all the characters, the locations, everything. And to try and finish that off when you're not that person, I think is incredibly, incredibly difficult. What do you think, Andy? I have to say, I completely agree. Um, I think, yeah, when George Lucas, was it back in like 75 when he was jotting down all these ideas and coming up with the characters and stuff? And, and 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 now we sit here and you've got a whole international conglomerate trying to continue that story. Um, we're 40 years later. The world's a very different place as well. So, you know, there's, there's the, the whole argument on, on Twitter constantly about there being female to female kissing, for example, in the latest film, which, you know, that wouldn't have happened in the 70s. It, it's, we, we live in a different world now. The stories are very different. Um, but, yeah, I... I I wouldn't want to be Disney to taking this forward. To be fair, um, it's it's such a, a complicated, complicated universe, and 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 all that was dreamt up by one man. So yeah, I mean, how how do you how do you get it right? Basically, I don't think there is a right. I don't think I I don't think that there's anything that Disney could do at this point in time that would bring all the fans together because. It's such a broad fan base now, and with the with the big gaps in between as well, which were filled by authors and stuff outside. Which obviously a lot of this now is is non-canon, but the um, expanded universe or whatever it was called, the, the is it called Legends now. What what did Disney call yeah, it? It's, it's Legends. It became Legends pretty much overnight. Yeah, that was yeah. Um, so, but a lot of that. So, people like you, Dave, for example, have, have read books. And, and expanded your own Star Wars universe through through people uh, t- having their own takes on the story. And now that's been erased and replaced with something else. I, I don't, I mean, who, who act, other than George Lucas, who actually knows what Star Wars is? And I know that's a broad statement, but... Well, you, yeah. you could argue, well, I mean, and this, this yeah. I was going to say, this, this might be why the Clone Wars works, because you've got Dave Filoni, and arguably, he's probably the closest creatively, creatively. Sorry, that I'll try to try pronouncing that again. Creatively <laughs> to George, because he worked with him. He he saw 
how he planned the Clone Wars. And so he, he took over the Clone Wars and it became his show. But he was still firmly wedded to where George was taking lots of bits and pieces of that story. So, so you argue he's an apprentice and George is yeah. the master. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you potentially see that again in The Mandalorian, which is why The Mandalorian has that, that Star Wars esque feel, which is almost impossible to, to capture. So, so, two things on that. First of all, just before I forget, you've obviously got, and I'll probably get the name wrong, Pablo Higaldo, who is the walking encyclopedia on Star Wars, who. I think even George Lucas might rely on at times to say what it, what happened for continuity purposes. But um, have either of you had a chance to see the the Mandalorian programs on Disney Plus explaining how the the the, the production happened and how how it all was made? Have you had a chance to see that yet? I've not. No. Dave. No. no okay. No, well, I'm I'm gonna go, well I, I can't believe you you haven't read or seen this but there is one particular scene where dave filoni explains the jewel of the face and why the fight between qui-gon and maul is actually the fight of of the in in the phantom menace is the is the fight that defines the entire trilogy because at that point his his reasoning is is that Anakin was looking for a father figure. Obi Wan was never interested in being a father figure. In fact, when they meet, he equates him to Jar Jar Binks in terms of of life form, um, and and in fact they have more of a brotherly relationship as later is revealed. But Anakin never had that that father figure, and so the Jewel of the Fates was was really about what was going to happen to Anakin and in the future, and what where, who was going to be his role model. And he goes into it in some depth. And if you haven't read it or watched it, please do. It is mind-blowing. And um, the way he talks about it and his knowledge of Star Wars is absolutely insane. And indeed, he talks about his relationship with George Lucas throughout and how that developed and what he learned. And it's just absolutely fascinating. So I think... I think it's very interesting the way that Lucasfilm and Disney have used Dave Filoni and the way that that's changed in the last two years. As you know, post uh, Rebels, we were uh, calling him, you know, the, the next person to lead at Star Wars. And it seems from that moment, his role has changed and he's being groomed for something bigger. Um, do you agree with that, Dave? I do. I do. I think, like you said, he's he's got the grounding. He's got the... Not only the encyclopedic knowledge of Star Wars, but the understanding of the thoughts behind it as well, if that if that makes sense. But no, no um, uh, slight on Pablo, um, because he obviously knows his stuff, but I think um, Dave Filoni's lived and breathed it. He's He's absorbed it in part by working so closely with with George and I think that's potentially what's lacking in other areas of Lucasfilm at the moment um just just something that I think it was Andy that said it's very hard for someone to pick up someone else's story and, and I totally agree with that it's it, because you, you've got a, a six movie arc now I know that George Lucas does the wills were meant to play a greater part in his final part of the trilogy, um, or the, the, the um, nine volume story. 
but you could have ended the story at six films. The, 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 the end of Return of the Jedi was a natural conclusion to the Skywalker story. So it was a very high-risk manoeuvre by Lucasfilm feeling that they could finish another man's story as a collective. Um, it has been done elsewhere, and it's been done well, um, one one example I, I know of is uh, a series of books called The Wheel of Time by Robert Jordan. If you've never read it, I firmly recommend that you do. It is fantastic. It puts R.R. Martin um, and Game of Thrones into a shadow. It really does. It, it should have been the story that was picked up by HBO and turned into a multi-part series because it is so, so good. But the guy, Robert Jordan, died. Um, volume 11, 12, something like that. I think I think it went to 12 or 13 volumes in the end. And he died around volume 11. And so they brought in a new author to finish it, a guy called Brandon Sanderson. And he did a phenomenal job, but it was because he worked from the notes that had been provided. He finished Robert Jordan's work. Robert Jordan's wife was involved in reviewing the content, making sure she was happy that it was the, the right legacy for what Robert Jordan had, had put into it. Cause he, he put his heart and soul into this, this story and it was finished appropriately by someone else who understood where it was, where it was meant to go. And I think possibly that's Lucasfilm have not done that. They've, they've not they've not tapped into the the man himself to understand what he wanted to do with the story. And I think that's that's probably where it went wrong. Mm. And we know that was a conscious decision by Kathleen Kennedy was. because of Bob Iger's book. So Andy, my question for you on the back of this um, would be: Do you think that we are better off for the sequel trilogy? existing or do you think it would be better to regard the star wars canon and universe to be episodes one through six and seven eight and nine is just a nice add-on that was what i mean what a question what a question um don't worry i've got one for dave (laughs) (laughs) okay so Looking at the fact that we've now had the three films from Disney, when I say the three films, I mean seven, eight, nine, and, and the story is now concluded. Um, it, it, it will always, for me personally, it will always be an add on. Seven, eight, nine will always be an add on. So one to six will be Star Wars, and then seven, eight, and nine will be sort of the add on that wasn't quite Star Wars, but sort of is Star Wars and didn't really take the story where I wanted it to and destroyed some of the characters and et cetera, et cetera. Let's not get into that. Um, I enjoyed, I enjoyed the force awakens. Um, and I, we've said before, having watched the the triple bill when the rise of Skywalker was released down in London with Alex, um, all three of us, me, me, my other half, Becky and Alex all actually said at the end of the force awakens, we forgot just how good it was having seen it on the big screen again. So yeah, I thought it was a, cra- a cracking film. Um, Dip. there's a little bit of a dip in the middle <laughs> again let's not go into that that's been that's that's old ground um and then yeah i i really enjoyed the rise of skywalker i thought it was a fantastic film i stand by the fact that it's a fantastic film um that doesn't necessarily mean that i think it should have been made if that makes sense um yeah sit, sitting back and looking at it as a as a one to nine franchise uh yeah definitely tails off for me after after return of the jedi 
Um, it's yeah, it's just it's just different, but not in a good way. I'd say if I was going to really sum, and I'm really summarising that because there are bits that are phenomenal, but it's just it doesn't quite feel the same. Um, and that's that's not always a bad thing, you know. Things move on, things get better, things progress. It just didn't progress in the way that I was hoping it to. Uh, so for me, yeah, it, it will always be a little bit separate. It'll be the 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 poorer cousin to the the George Lucas and Lucasfilm um, pre Disney Star Wars. Okay, and Dave, I'm going to ask you a slightly different version of that question. But before we do that, as part of the Watch with TJC film series that we've been every Saturday night during lockdown, the Jedi Council has been gathering and tweeting our thoughts live as we watch the films. Um, Dave, you and I watched The Force Awakens together uh, last weekend. And you and I, I think it's fair to summarise, both saw more weaknesses in The Force Awakens because of what happened in Rise of Skywalker. Would you agree with that? Yes. Yes. And in fact, for both of us, it weakened The Force Awakens as a film. Yeah. Which I think is a real shame. Um, because I, I think when we were watching it together, I think I said to you at the time, I don't want to come on these podcasts and... It sounds often like I don't like Star Wars because of the things I say. But it's only because I love it so much that I find it so difficult that people have got continuity wrong or weaken things with future decisions and not thinking about how it fits into the universe. Would you agree that that's been a big problem recently with with the with Star Wars? It has. Yeah, it's it. It's I, 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 the 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 first six movies, which if if we go down, um, Mr. Whitworth's premise is real Star Wars. Yeah, and I understand. I I, I I'm going to quote Ryan Johnson here. Um, the fact that he wanted to subvert expectations. I, I understand that from a film franchise, that a film franchise needs to grow. It can't always play to the same tune, which is why a lot of film franchises stutter because they don't evolve. They don't move into a new, a new era, a new world. Um, however, I don't feel that the, the, the final trilogy subverted my expectations in the right way it, it didn't add to the original story in any way it just retrod existing ground let's not go into that too much because hopefully this weekend and i don't think you've guaranteed it yet you but you haven't missed a single screening so far <laughs> we'll be watching it together and hopefully beforehand recording a vlog so yeah you should save your thoughts for then if you wouldn't mind so I'm going to ask you a slightly different question, which is this. You obviously really loved the last series of Clone Wars. Really enjoyed Rebels. Less so Resistance. Would you trade in all of that to make the sequel trilogy disappear? No, no, because I'm going to use Sam Witwer as my 
guiding light for this. And Star Wars is so big, and there's so much content out there. Let's let's for a second not not count Legends as non-Star Wars. Let's let's say it is just as valid as the Last Jedi. So there is so much Star Wars content out there. There's so much, whether it's graphic novels, whether it's cartoons, whether it's novels, whether it's computer games, TV shows, um, or movies. There are hundreds, if not thousands, of hours of entertainment material out there. So you don't have to love it all. And you don't have to embrace it all. You choose the bits you enjoy. So long as you're not abusing cast members because they were involved in it, so long as you're not abusing other fans just because they don't agree with the bits that you love, then feel free to love the bits you love. And for me, the sequel trilogy is an area that I'm not bothered whether it exists or not. If that makes sense. It makes sense. It makes sense. I... I... I, I agree with what you're saying, but my dislike of the sequel trilogy is such that I really wish it didn't exist, actually, because it taints to me previous films. And I think that's a real shame. I think that's a real shame. But I do think as long as people get something from it, then it's really good that it exists. And I'm glad people get something from films like The Last Jedi. And I. It, it saddens me that I don't feel that affinity. So, for example, Andy loves The Rise of Skywalker. I think you still give it 9 out of 10. I've been yep. trying to watch that film for two weeks now, and I I think I'm about halfway through now. Because every time I watch about 10 or 15 minutes, and I just think, oh, this is so forced. This is dialogue I don't like. I don't like this. I don't like this. But other people love it, and I think that's that's fair enough. That's fair enough. Can I jump in here just a second? Because um, there's... It, we're talking about the the Sam Witwer conversation. There's yeah. there's a point on the Twitter sort of conversation that I I don't necessarily agree with, and and maybe when this when we release this podcast, we can pot- potentially tag the guy in it and see what he thinks. Um, it was it was posted by it was Reven X. His handles at SW underscore Reven X. Um, and it's it's like a I think it's a three part comment. So we posted the video of the the audio of Sam Witwer. But then at the end, I, I agree with all of this except the very last point, um, and I'll quote it. So he says, at the end of the day, Star Wars is there for the fans to enjoy. George always knew that, which is why he even let others tell their own Star Wars stories, which is fair enough. Um, I agree with this bit. It is up to every individual fan to decide for themselves what they like or don't like. Again, that's exactly what we've just discussed. But the final point is put, and what they want to consider canon. Now, I... I think that is a step too far because surely we sh- we should have an authoritative viewpoint from the likes of Disney or Lucasfilm as to exactly what is canon and what isn't is canon what is canon and what isn't canon. Surely that's not for us to decide. We can't just disregard elements of the story. It's like us saying we don't like the Last Jedi, for example, collectively. I wouldn't necessarily say that's not canon. I, well, I, I'm not disregarding it completely from the Star Wars universe, what do you guys think? I think you can ignore it. It's obviously canon. It's 100% canon. 
but I think you can ignore it. And obviously that's what someone who's so close to Star Wars and Sam Witwer has, has said, is that there's a real distinction. And, and, and I think, I mean, we'll never know the true story, but if George Lucas could tell us what he thinks is canon and what he doesn't think is canon, I think that would be hugely helpful. I, I, I can see what he's saying. It's, it's not so much that there isn't a definitive idea of what canon is, because we know what canon is. Yeah. One, of, one of my favourite novels in Star Wars is the very first novel I ever read, which I read as a little child, and that was Splinter of the Mind's Eye. That stopped being canon the moment The Empire Strikes Back was made as a movie. So that's how long a window that was canon for. Um, uh, Star Wars came out 77. Splinter of the Mind's Eye was written and published by 78. And by 1980, it was no longer canon. So, but that novel is such a brilliant piece of writing and really expanded upon Luke Skywalker, Princess Leia, Darth Vader, Stormtroopers, what the Empire was like. Um, it still resonates as a story. So for me, I read. I could read that novel now and I just excise the bits I don't, which I know don't align to canon, if that makes sense. There's no reason that novel cannot be considered canon in certain ways. Mm-hmm. Um, it gets harder <laughs> when you move into the the period that we're now looking at with with the the rise of the resistance and so on, which because they most of the content that was written during the the period when there was no movies and what have you, the dark times and uh, Alex refers to, most of that content tends to be taking Luke Skywalker, Princess Leia, Han Solo forward and their children, their grandchildren, um, and so on. And all of that now, I I must admit, you cannot really consider that canon these days just because the story's been so subverted by what we now know is canon. But it doesn't stop you from enjoying it and considering it an alternate timeline and in your head believing it to be canon and still enjoying it. The original Thrawn trilogy was still a masterpiece. Um, and and there were, there were plenty of graphic novels, of proper novels that were written that went within the Republic era. So the late Republic, so just before... The, the Phantom Menace or even them bridging the Phantom Menace to um, all the way up to Revenge of the Sith. And there's again, there's no reason why any of that material cannot be considered canon. Because a lot of it, it, it doesn't argue with what we know elsewhere. It doesn't, it doesn't change the rest of the stories. If you want to really enjoy a story about Anakin growing up and being trained by Obi-Wan, there's no harm in reading some of the novels that were written about that by, by the likes of Greg Bear. There's, there's no reason why you cannot consider them canon because they don't detrimentally impact upon what is officially canon, if that makes sense. Yeah, that so enjoy what enjoy what you can from it. That makes, that it's makes interesting not... about it. Sorry, Andy. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> Go on, Andy. I was saying it's an interesting debate. Um, it just it's just it's the the point for me is 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 it's moving from what you like and what you don't like 
to what you consider canon. And for, I, I think that's a, I wouldn't, I don't even want to use the word dangerous, but it's a, it's almost giving people the right to only regard things true to Star Wars that they like. And I think that's, we, we were talking about The Last Jedi, for example, we, we wouldn't, and that your question to Dave, Ali, about, you know, would you completely disregard the sequel trilogy? And Dave's answer was no, because, you know, as well. No, as, no, 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 no that, that wasn't the question. I well, would, I'm coming it down a bit. But, yeah, I would quite happily disregard The Last Trilogy. But, try, try, but he wouldn't do it in exchange for the other stuff. Yes. Yeah. But you made a good point, Dave, about it's it's a fact that you don't like it, but then you also recognise that a lot of other people do, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. So it, it's not it's not necessarily then for people individually to say, well, that that is not canon. That is not canon. Well, it, it is. It just, the, the fact is, it is canon. Do you see what I mean? And, well, an interesting an interesting side argument to that is that none of the Dark Horse comics, none of the books that were written. As far as I'm aware, whilst they were endorsed by Lucasfilm and published by Lucasfilm or, well, Del Rey or what have you, and they may have gone through a Star Wars review to make sure that they weren't detrimental to the brand, none of them, as far as I'm aware, were ever canon. The canon was only ever six movies and the Clone War cartoons. That was all that was ever canon. So all the computer games... um, including the Star Killer story, which is a phenomenal story, were never canon. And a lot of fans were upset when Disney, effectively, all they did was say, you know what, all this material that was published, it's not canon. It never was. They just made it officially not canon. So it it had always been considered canon by fans because... It had never been refuted as canon. Disney refuted it as canon. Now, you could argue at that point, George Lucas allowed it. Now, if we go back to our original conversation of George George Lucas's vision of Star Wars, within his administration of what Lucasfilm and Star Wars was, he allowed that material to to propagate. He allowed that material to to be in place. He allowed spin-offs of that material, whether that was computer games, whether that was books, whether that was merchandise. He allowed that to happen. So he, you could argue, considered it canon, even if it was never claimed to be canon, if that makes sense. Yeah, that's another interesting point relating to this, the guy's Twitter thread, I want to mention this, um, Star Wars Revan, um, because he quotes here, um, George always viewed these additions to his story as part of a different universe. No, that's not that's not sourced. So I don't know where that comes from. No, that's that's quote from. I suppose that's because it was never considered canon. Exactly. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm sure if, if Alex was on tonight, he'd definitely be defending the canon a bit more. But yeah, I, I kind of but feel. You, I could say you, you could also argue that would George Lucas consider the trilogy now as canon? <laughs> yeah, that's but like, I, I think I think you get into trouble with canon when you don't know what's happened in various bits, which was one of the problems, I think. And we're going to move on now on to talking about Solo because there's been lots of make Solo two happen calls in the last week. But the fact is, is that when Darth Maul appeared at the end of Solo. A lot of the people who saw that did not understand how he was still alive. 
because even though Darth Maul returned in, in canon in Clone Wars, not that many people who went to cinema had seen it. And I think you said at the time, Andy, that was something you noticed and people noticed. And so yeah, I, think, yeah. I think there's all kinds of problems with canon. So for me, I think it's fine to pick what you like and disregard what you don't. I've got my head canon these days and it just makes it more enjoyable for me. Head canon is a great phrase, isn't it? <laughs> Yeah, but let's 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 move on to Solo, a Star Wars story, because that was obviously it was released on May 25th, 2018. And it was a second anthology film of the Disney era following on from Rogue One. Um, there's no sign of a sequel still. In fact, it was kind of known as the first Star Wars box office bomb because it grossed three hundred ninety three point two million dollars despite a budget in excess of two hundred and fifty million dollars not including advertising so dave i know you really really love this film you'd be keen to see it in the cinema again wouldn't you i would i would i would it didn't have enough time in the cinema um as a movie it really didn't it it... and you'd be excited to see where the sequel went yes oh god yes I, I would just love that. I, I've been a strong advocate of Mate Solo to happen. And, and I, I must tweet that at least a few times every every month. And, and at the moment, there seems to be a rise in that type of thing I'm seeing again. So I'm probably tweeting it more than once a week, a couple of few times a week at the moment. So, yeah, it's something I would love to see. I would love to see... And a younger Han Solo getting mixed up with Jabba. I would love to see more of Black Sun um, and how Maul is involved in it. I, I would love to see, because I right, tie in again into the Clone War cartoons. We saw Prince Zizor. Zizor, I'm sure that's, I'm not sure how it's pronounced. Um, as, as one of the, the people that he was speaking to alongside um, oh, the bad guy in the original Solo. Um, oh my gosh, his name's gone from the Paul Bettany character. Yeah, the Paul Bettany character. So you, you saw them both in that, that, that short sequence. So there's no reason why that couldn't appear in Solo 2. Um, I'd love for it to be at the cinema. I would accept it on disney plus <laughs> andy yes you, as someone who is now enjoying the expanded universe are you more inclined to see this film happen yep dryden voss is his name <laughs> are, you, are you more keen to see it happen yes i am i mean the, sh- the short answer is yes um the, the slightly longer answer is um, I don't necessarily I don't necessarily want a solo two. I just think delving into the backstory like Rogue One did is actually quite interesting. I think they did a great job of Solo. I really did. I, I really enjoy it. I really I enjoyed Rogue One and I enjoyed Solo um, as standalone films. Um, now I know I think it was at some point muted that it was going to be a trilogy. There was going to be a solo trilogy. Yeah. Um, whether Han Solo deserves a trilogy of his own, I'm not entirely sure. Um, I'd be quite happy for them to explore the story further, whether that be in a series or whatever. Now I'm now I'm up to speed with the Mandalorian. Yeah, I'd, I'd be open to that. But like I say, it's it makes Solo two happen. Okay, for me it would be 
make more anthology films if that's a i mean it's a bit of a rubbish hashtag but <laughs> is it, yeah i think i find it very interesting to delve further back and deeper into how these characters and how the characters that we love from the original trilogy became who they are you'll notice that both solo and rogue one are pre a new hope so obviously leading into the, the I, say, I call it the main trilogy you know the original trilogy it's 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 the it's the big story that everyone wants to see i think and that's i mean who, who else would we want to see from that I've, there's there's hundreds of characters isn't there but yeah i mean obi-wan's getting a disney plus series and i think there's a lot more excitement around that, that. yeah yes yeah, so that'll be pre a new hope i would assume it's just okay. you know follow me yeah. Well, it's, 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 I think they struggle to get it after that. <laughs> well, you never know. It's just a force ghost wandering around. It's not here. It's, it's, it's between between Revenge of the Sith and A New Hope, which I, I mean, I don't know how many years it is. It's about twenty years between the films, theoretically, on the on the actual Star Wars timeline. Um, and there's 19, such a massive yeah, 19, yeah. yeah. There's such a massive area there for storytelling. I know. Mm. There's, like I say, the, the Rogue One etc. has already happened, and that was sort of concurrent right up to the start of, of Rogue One of, of, of A New Hope. But yeah, I'd like to see more backstories, not necessarily solo focused. I think is my my honest appraisal of that. Okay, well, I'm putting my Mr. Contrary hat on and to say I actually don't want it to happen. I I think they should just draw a line completely under what's happened in the last five years, and just start afresh leave all this behind just I'm, I'm happy with them to keep going with the mandalorian i'm not particularly happy with the direction that seems to be going where i just think so much damage is being done with characters who you've long supposed that you've known their destiny and then you find out you didn't know it at all i mean that does a lot of damage to the brand and so for me i would be quite happy if they just left it on the cutting room floor and never went back to it until maybe in 10 15 20 years time when they felt like they have a real story to tell, then maybe, but then I suppose the characters will be too old to play the roles. So I, yeah, for me, I'd, I'd rather just leave it, but I know that I would probably be in the minority, but am I in the minority? Because not that many people went to the cinema to see it. So I don't know. I think this sales outperformed last Jedi though. Uh, I think you'd, I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. So maybe I, I don't it's think. Previously, haven't we? We've discussed about the the marketing and stuff like that. The film, people, uh, our, our listeners can go back through the the Jedi Council podcast yeah, archives. I don't, yeah, I don't think that's we, we, yeah, yeah, it wasn't just the film. I don't think it was. There was all sorts leading up to it um, and after it, and, and the marketing and stuff like that that I think we've been very critical of. Yeah, yeah, it was a bit a bit of a mismanagement across the board, really. Yeah. Yeah. It just doesn't have repeat viewing for me. It's not a film that I've... I think I've watched it once since I got it on DVD. Oh. It's funny, actually. I, I, I don't want them to not make any more anthology films, but I, I do think your opinion on it, I think that's what they'll do. I think they will just abandon it now. I think completely... I, 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 they, they won't want to touch it because there's been so much damage and so much controversy about... Pre- I, I, I saw recently someone suggesting that they're going to move completely away from the Resistance era. Well, 
and, and the whole bringing Boba Fett back to the Mandalorian, and they've got to tread so carefully when they do this because that was a, a big sticking point in the sequel trilogy with what they did with um, older characters. So by revisiting them, even if it was pre A New Hope and, and the development of that, you know, are they going to be undoing things that people, again, we've talked about headcanon, what, what people have imagined how that character was brought up and became who they were, and then Disney go and do something completely different, is that going to upset a whole new load of fans? So it's probably the right thing to do, really, to just leave it all in the past. Let the past die, as I say. <laughs> oh, 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 and on that happy note, um, Dave, I want to move on and talk about a new initiative that the Jedi Council will be launching soon. Can you talk a little bit about Jedi Council facts? And I know that this is a project that Andy's also going to be involved in. So perhaps you could set the scene on, on what people can expect, Dave. Yeah, okay. So we did from May the 19th, 2019, until May the 18th, 2020, we did 366 facts of the day. We released one every day. Um, and you can now find them in our Jedi archive on our website, um, where we, we have everyone split down by month, what happened on that day, notable facts, whether it was someone born, someone died, the film was released, a film began filming and, and what have you. And, and it was a really nice project to do and it's one that, that I committed to, well, I will make sure that we do this. And, and we did a good job of that and I really enjoyed it and enjoyed doing the research. But you do it once and you've got a fact for every day. Now, I know that you'll you'll have some days where there's multiple facts and, and what have you. But effectively, you're just going over ground if you if you try doing that again. So giving ourselves a little bit of a break. But on June the 1st, we will begin launching a new tweet of the day. And this tweet will be a Jedi Council fact, but it will be of a different style to what we've seen before. Um one thing that we did when we set up the Jedi Council two and a half years ago. So it's bizarre that we, we, we start at this point and we're going to end up back at this point. Two and a half years ago, we set up our, our website. We set up our Twitter account. We've grown as a team. But one of the things that we actually put on as, a, as an opening statement about we are the Jedi Council was that this is our collected information, which is is stored for a better time in the future once the empire is removed on on the basis that we were getting into character and we were the exiled remnants of the jedi council after being turned on by our friends so one one thing that i really really want to do and i think what we're going to do from june the first is really build this treasure trove of jedi council facts we're going to be exploring main characters, side characters, vehicles, weapons, planets, races, droids. We're, we're going to exploring them and we're going to attempt to produce a fact every day. We're going to cover everything we can for as long as we can until we finally all get taken off air. Um, I, I think it's a mammoth task. Um, Andy's involved in this as well um, and, and one thing that I love about Star Wars is the amount of material we've discussed it already with regards to what are now legends but the expanded universe generally even what is now considered canon by Disney it's massive 
there are so many characters in there so many planets so many places to see to do to to visit in your head and we're going to try and cover off as many of them as we can going forwards um and yeah we'll see where we go i think it's an important task um just based on the quote now you correct me if i'm wrong i think it's attack of the clones um the the quote when obi-wan is looking for the archive and if an item does not appear in our records it does not exist so we need to make sure those records are as complete as possible (laughs) that's exactly right so andy with that what's your final thought on what we've discussed tonight it's an interesting conversation um i have enjoyed finally reviewing the mandalorian um i yeah it just can't wait for mando too and yeah yeah just the 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 point about the canon and the head canon is still a bit of a it's a contentious one for me just because i think i think there needs to be some definitive authority over what is canon and what isn't canon um i think people saying that this might be canon this is canon and it isn't canon it just it's there's it just yeah it's, it makes it difficult because there's no continuity but then that we know there's no continuity anyway so it's not gonna make any difference even with uh, canon <laughs> yeah exactly exactly it keeps changing doesn't it so i don't, I don't think there's ever going to be an answer to that one unfortunately but yeah great talking to dave it's been fun always is i don't think we've ever had a podcast recording where we've not had a bit of laugh and enjoyed ourselves it's great for the three of us to get on together um shame that the the other members of the team weren't available today but it's still been a great little conversation um looking forward to june the first and what we're going to start doing some people are probably thinking, oh here we go but no i'm hoping that that hardcore star wars fans people who love the detail people who want to know more about facts more about characters more about vehicles more about the the places that are visited i'm hoping that they'll enjoy what we what we're going to try and do we'll see yeah I think that's that's all good. And just to remind people that this weekend we will once again be watching all together The Last Jedi. And if you've listened to Dave talk about this film before, I think you're in for a heck of a ride. I don't see how Dave's not going to swear during this one. So with that. <laughs> I'm glad my son next to me, so I can't. <laughs> oh, you will. Oh, you will. <laughs> we are the Jedi Council. Um, you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, uh, primarily on Twitter. We're on SoundCloud and our ever-growing collection of YouTube videos. And so with that, uh, I'd like to say, may the Force be with you. The Force will be with you.